Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another segment of the PI Window in the World. Uh, I'm your host, as always, John Hanson. I've got to tell you something before we even get into today's show. It, it kind of sneaks up on you, but my very first broadcast was back on March 26, 2009. That's right. It's it's seven years ago, and uh, and I have to tell you, it, it, it's kind of interesting how the time flies. But besides the the number of years, what's interesting is is we're within about four or five shows of hitting that magic 1,000 show mark. And and I I have to tell you honestly, I did not envision ever hitting 1,000 shows. In fact, when I hit 100 shows, I thought, wow, that's great. So I I just first of all want to thank you, the listeners, and a couple of reasons why. is obviously your tuning in. Uh, has, has been uh, has been a big part of that, and uh, the the audience is growing uh, internationally, and 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 that's been a good thing as well. Uh, obviously, I've appreciated that, and it's complimented very nicely uh, the blog and and what we've tried to accomplish here. And of course, there's there's been some great great uh, uh, I guess evolution in terms of discussion around the procurement world. We we did for three or four years a series with Kelly Barner every week with weekly updates, and of course, Kelly and I teamed up to write the book Procurement at a Cross. Crossroads uh, that came out earlier this year. Uh, Kelly, of course, has spun off and started her own show. So I, I'm going to encourage you to tune in because, uh, again, she she provides another perspective. You know, we often kid uh, that uh, her and I are the Lennon McCartney, where I'm the Lennon, uh, which is a little bit rough around the edges, and she's the McCartney, which is uh, soft and melodious. But but I got to tell you, I think she has her rough edges, and I have my soft edges. So that's why it works out well. But nonetheless, I want to thank you for that because uh, you're tuning in uh, out of the 15,000 shows uh, that air on Block Talk Radio. Uh, we were selected as one of the top 300, and, and that says a lot in terms of that. Now, on to the business at hand, today's segment. Uh, you know, last year we covered extensively the top 30 under 30 procurement pros, and that was an initiative started by ISM and ThomasNet. And at the time they launched it, I thought it was a great idea because we need to reach out to a younger generation as we begin to redefine our profession, and and certainly our profession is taking shape. Well, we're going to talk about the second edition of this, uh, the the, the follow-up session to the Top 30 Under 30, which features a whole new entire group of of young up-and-coming superstars, as they say. Uh, And I'm very much looking forward to welcoming to the show to talk about this, ML Peck, who is Senior Vice President, Program and Product Development at ISM. You know what? I never did find out what ML stood for. I'm going to find out today. Uh, And Donna Sakelli of... uh, Director of Audience Development from ThomasNet. And we're going to focus on a couple of key areas, four or five points as outlined in the show uh, uh, program, uh, and, and get some ideas to why this program is so very important. So without further delay, let me, let me see if I've got first on the line. Is this Donna or is this ML? You have Donna on the phone. Hi, Donna. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Is uh, ML not with us? Well, you see, I'm trying to track that down, so let me just find out here. Um, I've got another line in. Hello, is this ML? Hi, John, it's ML. 
Oh, well, there you go. Okay, now, so we have everybody on the line. We have Donna and ML Online. And you know what? I, I don't know if you heard. What does ML stand for? I never asked you that last year. And you can tell me it's none of my business, but I have to ask. <laughs> it stands for Mary Lou. Uh, but Mary I also Lou. Want, I also want to take a moment and congratulate you. A thousand shows is really huge. So congratulations and thank you for your support of this program and for having us on again this year. We really appreciate it. Well, you know what? I, I think this is a terrific program, and thank you for that. Like I said, I, you know, if, if you told me when I started that we hit a thousand shows, I would have said what. But nonetheless, <laughs> you, you, your program is very, very important, and, and and I think that's the key because I think it's safe to say, and and and, I, and I'll start with you, ML, and and then go to you, Don. I think it's safe to say that our industry, our profession, is going through a major transformation. I mean, the last time we spoke. Uh, we talked about the fact is when I used to speak in front of audiences, it didn't matter whether it's 20 people or 700 people, and I'd say, how many of you chose to be in the profession? Uh, if you got one or two hands, that was a lot. But there seems to be a, a shift where, where, where the up-and-coming generation is choosing procurement as a profession. I mean, is that a fair account, ML? I would say it, it's, it's heading in that direction, which is very positive. It's not quite where we would like it to be. Of these 30 winners, several of them kind of fell into procurement. Um, but there, there's more and more of them that are actively choosing procurement as, um, as a function, either through introduction in college or through parents or peers. Okay. So uh, let me ask you this, Don, in, in, in terms of this, uh, and, and why are people choosing procurement now? And, and as, as ML mentioned, it, it, it's a growing trend, but certainly not at the stage you want. What are some of the reasons why young people are choosing to get into procurement? Well, John, I really think that has to do with that the that the job offers, the things that they're looking for in a career, and things that they're good at. Right? They um, they like to be in a dynamic environment. Uh, they like they actually like they like to collaborate. They're motivated. They're results driven. They're tech savvy, right? They love technology, um, and you know the way procurement has has evolved. It, it's an exciting place to be, um, and I, I think it matches what what these young people are looking for in a, in a rewarding career. Okay, now I want to ask this because I, I also want to touch on very briefly before we get into to the, the five key points I want to touch on. I, I want to get into a little bit as to what, what, what was the inspiration behind the top 30 under 30 because even though we had this segment last year with the first one, uh, there's a lot more people who are tuning in. But I'm going to ask you this thing and for your opinions because of, of your expertise. And, and, and ML, I'll start with you because, uh, again, you're, you're with ISM. Uh, Kelly uh, Barner, uh, via Remotely and myself, spoke at a Virginia conference. And we asked the question, how many of you chose to be in the procurement profession? And, again, you know what's interesting is, is a reasonable percentage, certainly more than in years past, the room said, yes, we would have. Uh, we have chosen to be in this. Then we asked another follow-up question, and we said, how many of you now, knowing what you know about the profession, uh, would have made another career choice? And 50% of the room said they would have chosen another career choice. And we were shocked by this, and, in fact, the senior people from Virginia were shocked by this. Let me ask you, based upon your top 30 under 30, is this the reason, one of the motivations behind the program is to try to, 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 to properly shape expectations going in and build a, a, a refreshed and energized image around it? I mean, does that surprise you that 50 Cent said if they had to do it all over again, they'd choose another profession? You know, it, it does surprise me a little bit. I think it depends on the audience. 
what's really interesting um, with last year's winners and this year's winners, we asked them all, hey, if you could, you know, do it all over again, would you um, pursue another career or would you go into procurement? Now, granted, they've only, you know, been into, in this field for a decade or so, but hands down, they all said they would choose procurement and supply management again. They love their jobs. They love the visible impact that they can have. And, um, yeah, that is one of the goals of this program. It is to raise, aware, raise awareness of procurement and supply chain as a viable and rewarding career for millennials that nicely dovetails with their personalities, their style, and um, their passions. It's also, you know, another aspect of this program is to raise awareness of the value that millennials bring. They're different than other generations, and they come with a lot of really key capabilities that can help a uh, company propel forward in advance. So the key then, and, 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 and hearing what ML has said, Donna, the, the, the key point here is, is that it, is this creation of awareness does it also remove some of the potential misconceptions about the industry? Yeah, and they've been prevalent ones, you know, all along. I mean, procurement and, and this profession is more than just buying something at the cheapest price. Uh, it, 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 does that contribute to that positive response to which ML referred to? I, I absolutely believe so. You know, not one of these stories is about buying something at the cheapest price. It's about creating, you know, efficiency and effectiveness in the supply chain. It is about, you know, doing things uh, in new ways. Um, absolutely. I, I think this really shows that you, you can do anything in this job. It's, it's not buying anymore. It's, it's not about buying. All right, so I've got to ask this, then, because the, the top 30 out of 30, I don't think there's any other program like that out there. And again, this is what was very exciting about this program. Uh, in terms of its 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 uh, influence and roots, and going back to last year to where it was this year, were there any marked differences in terms of uh, expectations? Were there any marked differences in terms of the people who did respond? How much did last year's program influence this year's program? And and, and was there any kind of notable change in the candidates? Well, well, John, ML, I'll Donna. ask you first. Okay. Okay, well, that was a lot of questions. Um, this year's winners, you know, or last year's winners, they were the inaugural winners of the program. Um, and they they set the bar really, really high um, with their list of accomplishments. Um, what we're proud of is that the program has highlighted um, what these young professionals are capable of and the value that they're delivering. And a lot of that is due to media coverage like yours. So having said that, said that with the bar set really high, this year's winners rose to the occasion. You know, they're equally impressive and successful. I would say, you know, all of our winners are truly inspiring. Um, I mean, just take a look at our, our megastar winner, Amy Georgie. She took over a project where the lead time for a sole source supplier was 12 to 14 weeks. Within six months, she brought that lead time down to three to four weeks while also reducing the excess inventory on hand by more than $1 million. You know, and in addition to that, you know, she, she was so highly valued by Fluke that when she and her husband needed to move, relocate for her husband's position, Fluke granted, uh, made an exception to their policy and granted a remote position for her to keep her on. So in essence, she's, she, she, her strategic value, oh, and that's an interesting point. 
because Don, I'm going to go to you in terms of in, in terms of the area that Thomas then focuses on. Have a lot of the companies? Is that a reflection not only of of, of the winners' initiative and insight enthusiasm, but also of of, of the 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 forward thinking of her organization? Like, how much does the company influence that kind of of of, of result from their procurement professionals? Do you know what I'm saying? I I do. Um... You know, Amy, I think, is is one of the only people this year that got to work remotely, if I recall correctly. But what these talented young people are, are doing, to your point, are making companies, you know, think a little differently. And I want to give you an example of um, of two of our winners, uh, Amy, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Daniela Miko and Robert Dennis. They are both from Princeton. And actually, we're calling them uh, the, uh, affectionately the Princeton Twins. And what happened here is they're, they're the hiring manager, who was also their nominator, was hiring for an entry-level position. And he believed that this was going to be extremely challenging, getting talented young people to an entry-level position. Well, conversely, he got two young, talented people in both Danielle and Rob, so much so that he was able to convince the uh, upper management that he should be allowed to hire both of them. And, in fact, he was. And the great news is that both Rob and Danielle were even more talented than than he had even anticipated. You know, their portfolios of work are very different, but their performance has been equally excellent, and they have advanced at the same faster than normal pace. So, you know, again, talented individuals are making people think twice about, you know, maybe what, what was tradition, how how might we do things differently? And I think this is a okay. classic example right here. Sure, no, because that's an interesting thing. And ML, I'll go back again with ISM and your, 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 your uh, membership base. It, it, did you originally envision that the top 30 under 30, I mean, I imagine you looked at and thought, well, this is going to help to profile not only the young generation coming up, but also the procurement profession as a whole. But did you honestly feel that it would also potentially help, uh, as Donna sort of alluded to, that it would influence a, a, a shift in thinking on the part of, of companies, organizations who hire procurement professionals? I mean, did you anticipate that kind of, of reach in terms of influence? We were hoping for that as one of our goals um, because, you know, b- before we started this program, there's, there's been a lot of talk about the millennial generation, um, and not all of it's been positive. Refer to the me generation or they don't have respect or they don't have work ethic. Um, and it's, it's reframing that and explaining, like, looking at work ethic. They have very, very strong work ethic. They just don't want to come into a boring office, sit at a cubicle from 8 to 5. They work at all hours of the day. You know, they'll be up at 1 o'clock in the morning uh, working with a global supplier. They have no problems with that. And there's um, less of a difference between work and um, home time, right? So everything is more fluid and flexible with this generation. Uh, This is a group that they're extremely ambitious. This group wants to lead. Uh, so the shift in mindset for companies is how do you enable that? How do you enable um, these capabilities and, and these future leaders and, and set them free? Okay, i gotta, I got to say this because you may have had a, a tip on it. Remember I talked earlier about uh, speaking at, 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 at the conference, public sector conference, 
you know, where 50% of the people said if they could choose another profession, there would. Is that part of the issue that maybe was in that response between the public sector and the private sector is that some of them might feel more stifled by the, let's call it the rigidity of, 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 of process uh, or policy in the, in the public sector that may not be present in, in, in the private sector? I mean, could that be part of the explanation for that? And, uh, and, and as such, uh, what happens? How do you how do you stimulate that same kind of thing across all public or private sectors? That that's a really interesting question. Um, personally, I mean, last year one of our winners, Matt Bear, was with the city of of Mesa, so he was with government procurement. But to your point, public procurement generally has more layers of bureaucracy uh, because there's just different levels of oversight required for um, public versus versus private procurement. And that could be some of the issues, right? Like maybe they're not as open to bring your own device. They may not be as open to working remotely, um, or they may be a little bit too formal. Um, you know, I, I would say reading from, from your blogs, I, I think you'll agree that it takes a longer time to, to change how things work in a public environment versus a private environment. You know, companies can change their roles, can adapt at a much faster pace, than um, people in the public procurement. So I think it's just going to be a little bit of a longer haul. But as more and more of these millennials get in these positions, I think we'll see, we'll see changes. And we'll see them at a faster pace than we've seen in the past. Well, you know, what, I, one I thing that's interesting, sorry, sorry Nara, but and then I want to go to you, Don, and ask this, but one of the things that was interesting, you talked about bring your own devices, ML. Uh, I read a study recently saying that 35 years and under, the majority of them have never used a desktop or laptop computer. They've all dealt with handheld devices. I mean, that's part of the evolution of it as well. I mean, that's where technology comes in to a certain degree, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I was just talking to one of our um, team members who's a millennial, and she told me she doesn't own any TVs. I said, well, how do you, how are you keep up on current things? She goes, well, I have a tablet and a phone, and I've got subscription to Netflix and Hulu and I mean, so they they just think differently. They use technology differently, and frankly, a little bit more effectively and efficiently. And we sorry, assume- and I inter- I inter- I interrupted you, Don, on that. And, and just as a side, I'm not even going to bring up the fact that when I was uh, at that age range, we had three channels: rabbit ears and black and white TV. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> So there you go. Uh, anyway, Donna, sorry, you're about to make a, an added point on what ML had said. Well, I was I was just going to add to the uh, difference between the pro- public and the private sector because one of one of the, the characteristics um, that we're finding with these with these millennials is that they get to work across disciplines, and which continually keeps them learning, keeps them interested, et cetera. And I again not having worked in the public sector, I'm not sure that that exists there as well. So I think definitely think that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, when asked if they would choose to work, uh, to, you know, choose their career, the same career again, why most of these winners said yes. So you know, I think it's another advantage to support, you know, to private sector. Let me ask you this: Out of the top thirty, uh, let's and, and maybe a two-part question of everyone who, who who was nominated, and out of the top thirty who ultimately, or those who became the top thirty, what percentage are public sector and what percentage are private sector? You know, John, I don't have those numbers at my fingertips, but um, I believe most of the winners this year, the majority of the winners, if not all, were from the private sector. Uh, ML, can you? Um, 
either corroborate that or tell you me? Know, that, that, that's another really interesting question, and, and we, we'll find out, John, and we'll get back to you with that. Um, but I believe all of them are from the private sector. I mean, yeah. in university, I mean, you could kind of count that as public, um, but for, I'd say for the most part, private. Right. So going forward, so going forward, and 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 again, you know, you you know, if it ain't broke, why fix it, as they say. But on the other side of the coin, what ways would you envision the program going forward that you could try to to get more involved from the public sector? Uh, because they certainly do have a, a, a sizable uh, contingency, for lack of a better word, that 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 that. Uh, needs to be included, uh, what do you have to do to get them involved in this program? I mean, you know, to get the, the younger people involved there and, and, and a sense of, of, of that same innovative and energetic uh, excitement. You know, I, I think, John, you know, as the program continues to grow and evolve and it continues to get media coverage, um, that will get nominations from more and more verticals uh, from public as well as private. It's a matter of getting the word out. You know, I think two of the winners last year were from the public sector. Um, you know, so we'll just continue to put the word out and um, through programs like yours. You know, and that, that's the other thing is last year there was a lot more focus and a lot more media coverage on opening the nominations because it was new, right? So this year we didn't get as much media coverage about the nominations being open. So that is something that we're talking about and thinking through how how we can fix that going forward to make sure that um, people are aware of it and that we are getting the results. Because at the end of the day, it's about promoting and recognizing the value that these winners bring. See, that's and an interesting point that you just made, Donna. Uh, you know, it, it's the excitement of the first-time program, a lot of media coverage. Uh, Personally speaking, uh, I was as excited about this year, in fact, more so in some ways, than I was the first year because it's, it's, it's that sophomore year. It's, it's launching it out there. Why do you think that, they, that there wasn't as much media coverage? I mean, this is a quality program. I mean, and there's really not anything comparable to it. Why do you think that was? Well, I think, John, you know, in, in looking at the program, we realized we were announcing the opening of nominations at, at a bad time, right? There was so much excitement about the winners, uh, you know, the prior year's winners. We were going into summer break, um, which is why we took a hard look at the program and said, you know, we, we don't – we don't want an open enrollment at a bad time, and we don't want to take away from the winners, right? Because this program is all about the winners. It's about these millennials. It's about their huge achievements, their successes, et cetera. So we, we just think timing, um, the timing was off. But I will tell you, um, to follow up with what ML said before, I think the media um, coverage just continues to grow because – we have found that the companies that these individuals work for are just so proud of the accomplishments of their employees that they themselves are now putting out press releases um, and making statements about them. So they're, you know, they're helping this program out themselves. Does this give them a competitive, and this is just off the top of my head, does this give companies a competitive edge 
in terms of recruitment that they can point to programs like the top 30 uh, under 30. Uh, you know, I mean, Forbes has its top 30 under 30. There's, all, you know, different kinds of things. But this is really the first one in the procurement industry. Does that give them a, recruit, a recruiting tool? I mean, you have two Princeton people. Uh, let's face it, the pool is, 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 is very diverse. Will this help them attract more quality candidates, do you think? Absolutely. You know, millennials want to, just like any, any other generation or any other individual, they want to work for companies that they think will value them and value the skills that they bring. And by nominating people, by, you know, getting the promotion, that the, the companies will get the promotion from the winners as well, too, millennials are looking at that and saying, okay, that could be a company I want to work for. When they hear examples like what Fluke Energy did for Amy Georgie, that could make them excited about working for that company. Got it. So, and, and, again, what's interesting about this younger generation, and IBM did a study, and I remember reading it, is, is that unlike previous generations, they, the, the, the study found that uh, this, the millennials, Generation Y coming up, all of these new, new, new uh, youngsters, for lack of a better word, I shouldn't probably say that, but uh, <laughs> they're very much socially plugged in. They want to be, it's not just about money to them. Uh, it's about also working for the right company, to work for a, a company that's socially responsible, to work for a company that has some kind of a positive influence on the marketplace. I mean, it, there's selection process. Uh, for for organizations becoming more scrutinizing, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I mean, it's the same thing in their buying patterns, right? So before they make major purchases, they're going through and they're research, researching the organizations, and they won't do business with companies that participate in child labor or don't take care of the environment. Um, and they're taking that same concept and they're applying it to places that they want to work and companies they want to work for. They want to make a difference in their career, in their community, in their personal lives. That is very, very, that, that seems to be a fundamental um, belief that is very important to this group, more so than, you know, previous generations. Now, one thing I have to ask, and Donna, I'll go to yourself, the winners from last year, uh, and again, it's not like last, you know, yesterday's news. Uh, I take it you, you, you provide some tracking in terms of how they've progressed now uh, and, and where they are now and some follow-up on that. Or, or is there a vehicle for being able to do that? Because over a period of time, as this goes year after year after year, I'm sure some people would like the ability to go back and look and say, well, what was the first-year winner? How, how, is, how are they doing? What, what, what have they found a year later and a year out from this? Do, do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, John. Um, and I, many of these winners have actually moved on. Uh, many haven't because, you know, contrary to, you know, beliefs about millennials is that they work a year uh, at a company and they move on and they work a year at a company and move on. And, you know, while I would say many of them have continued to stay with their companies and, and received promotions since then, you know, others have moved on. And we provided a forum for them uh, for them to be in touch with each other, actually, through LinkedIn groups and through the emerging professionals, um, you know, community that ISM has created. So um, while I don't believe we have all the statistics about where they have moved on, we can certainly, um, you know, get you some information if you're interested in any particular winner from last year. 
Absolutely, that that would be very interesting to track these. You know, there was a there was a show uh, done uh, where they did a, a a segment when these kids were fifteen, and then when they turned thirty, they revisited them again. I thought that was the class of '89 or something. Anyway, that'd be an interesting thing. Look, we're down to about two minutes, so I guess thirty forty seconds each. What about next year? Let's look ahead. Uh, I, I presume. Uh, top 30 uh, under 30 is going to be uh, be uh, going next year what might we expect from 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 that program and i'll start with you donna and finish with you ml well um john you know we we are big believers in these programs and we are so thankful uh for media outlets like yourself to help us promote this we we think this is just going to continue to grow um you know we believe we'll see um you, you know the current winners, because they are big fans of paying it forward, we believe we're going to see more, nom- you know, nominations from these winners themselves. You know, to your point before, we'd like to see it expand into the public sector. Um, I think the big difference is, as we spoke about before, we're going to look to open nominations uh, later in the year, probably in the fall, uh, most likely September to, you know, make sure that we that the program gets its due um due promotion out in the marketplace and does it really conflict with any other major events out there. Well if we can be of some help with that and you've got registration pages as soon as you get them send it to us and we'll post them and get them far and wide to our readership. Uh ML, uh anything to add to what Donna said? I would just say, you know, we all know that that there's an issue with baby boomers retiring at a rapid pace. The industry's growing, it's creating new jobs, and, and we really need to be um, backfilling those positions as the baby boomers start to retire. Um, you know, and then also talk about you know how procurement's a natural fit for millennial skill sets, their traits, and their interests. And we're proud that we've been able to highlight both of these issues through the 30 Under 30 program. And we're thrilled with the traction that it's gained, and we're well on our way to helping both millennials and employers discover how, you know, they are a perfect match for the procurement profession. And it's due to, again, people like you who are helping us spread the word, get the message out there. So thank you again for having us on your show. Well, thank you, ML Peck from ISM and Donna Sakelli. It's always a pleasure. Let's say same time next year or around the same time next year, and then we'll be talking about the next 30 winners. Thank you. And, of course, to you. Our listeners, thank you for sharing what is your most valuable resource, which is your time. I want to remind you that this segment is available on an on-demand basis, which means you can listen to it at your convenience. And as I said, now almost a thousand times. Uh, that's just one of the great things about Internet radio, in particular blog talk radio. Until I come at you over these virtual airwaves again, have a great week. Bye for now. <laughs> Thank you.